All right, welcome back to Following Noadon, episode 59. Now, uh, this week we will be covering uh, chapters 12 through 16, I believe. Um, how are you doing this week, Elliot? I'm doing great. We're we're getting into we're getting into some exciting stuff. We we talked last week that things are feeling a little slow. I think we got a little bit more excitement in these chapters, maybe. But uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Great. I'm always glad to hear. How about you, Trevor? I'm doing well. I'm excited as always to get your guys's first reactions to to chapters. So there, we do have some interesting content this week, and I'm excited to hear what you guys think. Great. Now, um, I did do our intro this week, but uh, Trevor does not have two words, but in fact, I have two words, so I'm just going to go and start us off um, right into it. So for these chapters, chapters 12 through 16, my two words were frustration and remembrance. So frustration and remembrance. Um, and so, Elliot, what were your two words? My mine are super meaningful and deep and uh, introspective. They are no mating, no mating. Oh, <laughs> fabulous, iconic, if you will. Incredible, incredible words. Same energy as I am a stick, but now we have no mating. Exactly. Yeah. Very funny. All right. Well, uh, we will. Come back and dive into these two words. Four words. <laughs> my, my words may be cheeky, but they, they still count as two words. Yeah, and I'll let you take it coming back, Trevor. I'm just going to keep that audio over our intro clip. And so, like, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna play. <laughs> the, the audio's going to yeah. play. I wonder when Cappy Bars is going to come out. Probably not anytime soon. All right. We do have to start at no mating because it's so iconic. The just as just as a fan favorite as no, I am a stick from from Words of Radiance in the in the fandom. No mating is equally as popular. So go ahead and start us, Elliot. I I was going to ask you actually that exact question. I had a feeling that this might be uh, an iconic line in here, which is why I I picked it. Um, I, I don't honestly have anything super insightful to say about this other than we get some interesting Adolin and, and Shalon interactions and some uh, some classic uh, hilarious. I, I laughed out loud as I was reading my my book uh, at when uh, Pattern chimed in there. It was it was great. Yeah. It was shout out to to Kate Redding um, with the audiobook because she did a great job with the like no mating. <laughs> I I, can't, I definitely can't do anything like it, but it was it was very funny and uh, probably my favorite. You know, like we didn't have the sill moments like we did last week, but you know we got some really great pattern moments. So, um, so it was great. I don't know how uh, Kate Redding does it, but she always talks as pattern it with like a buzz in her mm, in her tone yeah. she's like no mating and you're like how do you do yeah, that for a 55 I, hour book you know like yeah it's very impressive very very impressive yeah she buzzes like all the, it's it's impressive 
if I if I do say so myself, I will talk about my words a little bit before we dive into our first chapter. Yeah. Um. So my first word was frustration, um, and it's mostly talking about, um. Our overarching theme is Dell and I are working to get the other Oath Gates kind of online, and there's just a whole lot of frustration with that. A lot of kind of lousy politics and uh, drama and stuff going on there and just like lies and just a really frustrating system for for something that i feel like shouldn't be the biggest task at hand for them um just something that would be helpful um so very frustrating there um also a little bit of frustration with some of our salon chapters which i'll get into later um and my other word was remembrance um and that mostly was dealing with dalinar um on multiple fronts um, he's kind of remembering what it is to just be a soldier, I guess, with, with his little wrestling scene and all that stuff. He kind of just wants to remember, I guess, like, simpler things or get get his mind off of stuff. Um, and then our kind of big thing at the end, uh, that Delinar apparently can remember his wife's name or hear it again, uh, which we'll talk about um, a lot later. I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts once we get there. Uh, but that's that sums up basically my word of remembrance so cool starting at chapter 12 it, the chapter opens up with Dalinar and the Stormfather having a conversation and I feel like Dalinar has maybe not quite as many questions as Elliot does but pretty pretty close and keeps keeps asking the Stormfather a bunch of questions and the Stormfather apparently has this arbitrary rule book of what you're allowed to know and what you're not. Thanks, Brandon Sanderson. It's just your clever, clever, not so clever uh, use of you're allowed to know this now. You're not allowed to know this now. Stormfather's just like, nope, I'm not going to tell you yet. So uh, we we have a couple answers in this chapter and we still have a bunch of questions. So I'm obviously not a first time reader, so I'm going to throw it over to one of you guys and specifically about the Knight's Radiant and like the structure of it and the lost radiance from the old and Dalinar's trying to figure out how they worked and what that means for him going forward, et cetera, et cetera. And he's been asking the Stormfather some questions about the old Knight's Radiant. So what are some of the questions that he's answered in this chapter and so far as well? And then what has he not been answering that we're still wondering about? I can tackle your second question quicker than I can the first one. I, I'm i very curious about learning more about the radiant or not the radiance, the heralds. We've, we've now seen it at least two, we think two heralds, like the actual heralds themselves. I, I'm, I'm still, I feel like there's still a lot of gaps in like, where did they come from? How, how did they get picked to be, heralds are they humans that were sort of you know divinely ascended to the rank of herald or are they you know godlike beings themselves of you know powers beyond this world are they you know characters like wit or hoyd that came from another world or i guess we're guessing still that wit or hoyd came from maybe roshar's his home world we don't know but the i, I want to learn more about the heralds for is my bottom line 
it's a it's a similar construct to light song and warbreaker right where they everybody calls them gods but are they really gods what like how much is magic how much is or how much is religion and how much is explained magic that anyone could acquire like through storm like through uh search binding it's stuff like that so what everybody calls them the heralds but are they just knights radiant who were in the right place at the right time to be a herald at that like at at a given battle to seal away void bringers or what you know whatever like what what's the definition of a herald at this point yeah there's definitely this theme that rises throughout these chapters of understanding i guess who who the god is or who should be respected where maybe tradition has taken over um that's really highlighted in, in our last chapter um, about not submitting too much to just tradition because it's old and like therefore should be followed um but like what's really going to help them with their situation um i guess i didn't have <laughs> i guess i didn't have any super major thoughts on this so my biggest thing also is the heralds since we've seen a couple of them or at least interacted with a couple of them a little bit i'm super intrigued to to learn more about them and to see like what like we've seen them but we really haven't learned much about them or ever seen anything from their perspective so i'm really curious about that and i would love to find out more um but other than that, I didn't have anything major. It's it's kind of gotten to the point where if I start to worry about every little thing, like I will never get through this book because there's a lot of a lot of unanswered questions at the moment. So um. he, I I definitely agree with you, Paul. I just looking kind of scanning through my notes, a couple things I do see that we do learn a little bit about. I think mostly in chapter sixteen of this uh, this week's chapter. The Stormfather tells Dalinar a little more about the Windrunner honor blade that he's got. He shares with him that it's a it's a piece of honor himself, that it's it's not like the other shard blades, which we kind of already knew. It, it appears that the honor blades are not spren, which again we kind of already knew, but but here's some definitive proof, I suppose, coming from the Stormfather. He talks about odium a little bit. He talks about how Odium is much more powerful than he is, um, but that he's kind of more equivalent to like a force of nature almost. He, he he explains that he's like like pressure or time. He he abides by his own laws and he just kind of is. But yeah, th- there's hints to a lot more ominous details that we just don't seem to have enough to quite piece together. In that same couple pages dalinar actually has an interesting take on on odium that he's actually encouraged that honor could be killed because in his mind that means odium can be killed so he actually has has hope that because honor failed that there's a way for odium to fail and he actually has has a a way to to stop him he doesn't have any idea what that is but like there's Gods can't bleed, if, if I can say that iconic line. 
I, I'm not going to be shocked if we get to the the end of this series or, or whenever this happens, when then the, the ultimate showdown with Odium happens and we get, it gets revealed to us that like when a God dies, it's not the same death that we think of. We've already seen this on the miniature scale with Syl. We were told that Syl was dead, that Kaladin killed her. And yet it wasn't really the kind of death that we think about. It wasn't that she was, permanently severed from her soul or her body it was just that she was kind of reverted back to her primitive nature and then she gets like awakened back from that again it's almost like a death and a rebirth sort of thing for sill could that be the the case with with odium could that be the case with honor like i could i got 100 percent seeing that be the case of honor being not be necessarily death that we think of right yeah i like that you mentioned that i hadn't actually thought of that but just kind of the sentiment that like evil is no more almost or like these things are, are no more like kind of that sentiment i guess um of that death kind of like we've we've seen a bit with honor but yeah you're right it's probably not going to be like oh they're going to literally kill odm and it's like the end of it yeah. but yeah we're we're in book three right i mean that's probably like book 10 stuff so yeah i'm not gonna worry about it too much i'm sure it will happen at the end of this book actually now that you mention it yeah sure i i i think so going back to something you said a little bit ago paul that i can't worry about every little thing that happens in this book or else i'll never get through it i had the very real fear when we started this podcast of the the format of these books because elliot you talked about last week how it's each book is zooming out a little bit where kaladin it book one is you're on a bridge run with kaladin all you want to see is kaladin survive and get his men out like that's the story and then worst of radiance is the battle on the shattered plains and you're you're trying to win a war against the Parshendi and like that, that's the scale of that book. Now, as we get into chapters 12 and uh, whatever, 16, I think um, Dalinar is talking to the monarchs all across Roshar and we're still not even halfway through part one yet. So I, I had this very interesting thought when we were going through the way of Kings of like, by the time we get to Oathbringer, how long are our episodes going to be? And how many, how few chapters should we do? Because honestly, we could talk for an hour on two chapters and we're trying to fit four, however many, five, five into this episode. So I, I don't know. We'll try not to get hung up on every little thing because we will be for, here forever. So just, yeah. I, I too part of part of my my brain really wants to sit here and like analyze all the details and find all the hints and and do it all but i have to i have to remind myself that i've i've clearly discovered that these books have a lot of really awesome reread value which paul you and i haven't got to that point yet but trevor and everybody else out there has like i i i can i can justify it to myself by thinking about it's okay. I don't have to catch everything the first time through because 
there will still be fun for me in the reread. That'll, that, I'll, I'll leave some nuggets behind on purpose so that I can find them again on my reread. Kind of the thing that's that's pushing me through is I'm assuming I'm just not going to be able to find or know everything right now because there's so much stuff that we have yet to learn um, that whenever I come back through, I'll be able to see all that stuff that even if I did take and meticulously look through all these chapters, I wouldn't be able to find anyways. So kind of like we'll get through and see where, where everything goes and then we can go back and look and see how it all connects more uh, potentially so i see what you mean there trevor like if we really wanted to we could do like two episodes to it to it or two chapters to an episode so um especially in some of our bigger chapters all right so we kind of alluded to this last week but through chapter 12 we have several conversations between dalinar and uh some monarchs across across roshar he sent out this message of saying i've made it to your thiru please come join me i like we need to make a coalition against the void bringers and everybody ends up dodging him by the end of the chapter with the notable exception of uh <laughs> teravangian which we'll talk about here in a second but everybody who he's hoping and he doesn't know that Teravangian is as big of a trouble that as we know him to be, but everybody else is deliberately avoiding Dalinar. And we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but let's flesh out a little bit more here. Dalinar is conveniently forgetting and ignoring who he used to be. And we don't know if that's deliberate or if he physically cannot remember of who, like who he used to be, because there is some of that, but but we don't know the to the extent of what that what that entails of how much can he not remember of who he used to who he used to be in these flashback chapters, because we split chapter eleven and chapter twelve between two episodes, but the previous chapter that we're just coming out of is him sitting on the cliff of the rift, being super depressed after what he's just done. And then we're in the chapter 12 of all these monarchs are trying to avoid him because they know who he is. They've they've grown up hearing about the Blackthorn and Alethkar conquering half of the continent. So, and then he comes over and it's like, hey, come join me in your theory. I'm, I'm your pal. You know, like everybody's avoiding him now because nobody trusts the Alethi. And honestly, nobody should trust the Alethi. So what were you guys thoughts on on this? I didn't um, fully make that connection because we see Dalinar as he currently is. And I guess we kind of, I at least have the, the understanding that like everyone kind of knows him currently. Um, and albeit he, even though now we know him as a relatively like a good character um, who has great intentions for, for things and, and good plans, he is definitely viewed as weird or like doing things untraditionally and just kind of almost a pot stir like he, he's kind of causing a lot of trouble um even by honestly doing like standing up for what is right in a way um and so yeah i feel like a lot of people around roshar just would be hesitant to get behind him um i also think it's funny 
I'm pretty sure it mentions in this chapter with Teravangian joining him. Don't they mention like, oh yeah, and he's like the dumb one or something, or he's like known as not being very smart. And I thought that was really funny because there's the whole thing we talked about with his like intelligence. Like maybe they must have just caught him on a bad day, you know, like on a on a dumb day. Um, which I think it was kind of funny, but well, and if you remember back to that Teravangian interlude, his advisor people that are around him all the time have deliberately shown him to the world on less lower intelligence days in order to not seem a threat. So if he's too low on intelligence scale, they kind of just put him back in his room and wait till tomorrow. And then if he's too smart, they do the same thing because they don't want to let him make a bunch of important decisions because then everybody will, will see, well, there's more on the, obligations here too but that everybody's gonna see oh teravangian's really smart and really like has his hands in everything so they they lock him in his room on his really smart days too which he's really frustrated about and he tries to like fail his math test on purpose uh to so he can um so he can be king for the day but so that's very deliberate that everybody thinks he's the he's the dumb old 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 man king that nobody really pays attention to that's such an interesting thing i know we i know we touched on it before like we talked a lot about it and i think we can't even afford to go into it that much right now but it's such a a weird thing like he wakes up every day and is just a different intelligence level like it's so bizarre and i don't know how it's supposed to like affect things but i don't know i guess we'll we'll let it keep going i, I don't know <laughs> it just seemed like a very odd effect um it it makes teravangian very unpredictable it's i i i shudder i shuddered a little bit when i read that you know they're dalinar's getting all excited that oh at least i've got teravangian with me you know bless his soul I was like, oh no, hold on a second. Like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> if there's anyone you can't trust, it's him. And yet True. he's got this, yeah, reputation of, of being a bit of a dullard. And, and Dalinar's like, well, at least I've got one, you know, trusty person. It's like, dude, he, he's the most untrustworthy of all of them because of this unpredictability that he's got. But yeah. of course, Dalinar doesn't know that. Exactly. Also, this isn't that relevant, but just kind of the the concept he talked about, Trevor, where they kind of keep him in his room on whether he's too dumb or, like, he's too smart on days like that. Um, I kind of get the sense, kind of like Warbreaker that we talked about, where kind of the advisors are, it seems like they're kind of pulling the strings and stuff, almost with, like, the God King, and it's not the same, but Hmm. I was just thinking about that, and it's kind of interesting, so... Yeah. Elliot, you were talking about how you are talking about how excited Dalinar was that Teravangian was joining him in book one he trusted Sadius that didn't go well for him in book two he trusted Amaram that didn't go well for him (laughs) Uh, so uh, where's this one headed? nowhere good nowhere (laughs) good I didn't think about that. 
Yikes, who's gonna who's gonna trust next book? Odium? <laughs> I don't know. Like what's gonna <laughs> Well uh if they, if he makes it to next book. I was gonna say, assuming he survives <laughs> this book, uh we'll see. But yeah, I I was intrigued by these sections with the other monarchs. I you nailed it, Paul, with frustrating. I really wish that these other monarchs would would work with Dalinar, but like like we we've been talking about, we we see the real Dalinar. We know what his motives are. Everyone else has a very different picture of who Dalinar is, and Alethkar does not have the most clean track record. And so, yeah, I I think Dalinar is going to be pretty hard pressed to unite them. He he's been given a very very monumental task. Did you guys pick up on the behavior of the Parshman across Roshar? So we talked about this a little bit last episode, and we get a little bit more here. They don't seem to be as warlike as we were expecting them to be. It doesn't seem like they're the storm form warrior Parshendi here to destroy you. They seem a little more like confused or a little more just like trying to survive. Here we get some examples of them negotiating. There's at least two, I think, different monarchs who are negotiating with the the Voidbringers, which catches Dalinar and everybody else off guard, which I, I'm going to reprimand them a little bit. They should not be surprised by this. They themselves negotiated with the Parshendi. Yep long before any of this was happening, that they should not be surprised that that's a tactic that the awakened Parshman would use. Dalinar himself met with Eshenai more than once, or maybe it was Adolin that one time. I don't remember all the instances, but he's talked with them. He knows that they're willing to do that. And so for them to be so like caught off guard by this is a, a little surprising to me I get that they just came out of a battle, a war with them, and so they're expecting these monsters to be taking over the world, but I think they're quickly realizing that's not necessarily what's happening here. It it does still leave the big gaping question, though, of what do they want? What what do the Parshman, the Parshendi, the Voidbringers, what do they want? And... Dalinar's kind of trying to figure this out. Kaladin's trying to figure this out, and they haven't gotten there yet. I'm. It seems like we might be heading to that direction pretty quick. But there's even one of the monarchs. I forget who it who it is. Is it the the Eerie people from Eerie who are saying, "Hey, why don't we just give in to them and give them what they're asking for? It's not that crazy, right?" You know, I'm like screaming at the page. What What is it? What do they want? What are they asking for? So I, I. I can't decide whether I think that's a good idea or not without knowing like what are their demands? What what are they trying to accomplish? What is their goal? What is their motive? We just we we haven't been able to figure that out yet. That's true. The only thing that we've seen with that was our newly storm form Esh and I and Adolin. Uh I think it was Adolin, right, that talked to her. And basically she was like, Yeah, like we're just gonna kill everyone. Like end of the story. Um, yep. And stuff, so, which was a little rough. That was also very 
tantalizing because it was almost a good conversation because she became Stormform like right before that and then it was just a whole mess. Yep. So Yeah. If you if you remember that conversation, Eshenai is wearing her shard plate for two reasons. Do you remember this? She's wearing shard plate to conceal her new carapace that she's wearing because she's in storm form and to conceal her eyes because they're red. So she's wearing and Adolin's wearing his shard plate to cover up that he's not Dalinar. Um, so he's really happy that Eshenai isn't removing her armor and vice versa. So jumping forward a little bit to chapter 14, there's a very specific detail that Kaladin notices as he's spying on the Persendi. Did you guys pick this up? Their eyes are not red. And he notices this and he compares it to himself. Uh, he's like, well, my eyes don't glow unless I'm using Stormlight. Is it similar for them where are their eyes not going to glow unless they're in the Everstorm using Stormlight, Everstorm? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever you want to call it. But, but in the previous Kaladin chapter we had, he very specifically asks the villagers and they tell him, there's red light everywhere, and we think it was their eyes. And he's seen their their red eyes on the shattered plains, but here they're not uh in like their eyes are not red. So do you guys have any thoughts on this on the rules that are happening here? <laughs> this could go back to my whole there's a negative stormlight or whatever with the dark sphere. Um, and the Everstorm. That would make way more sense is that it's tied to this Everstorm, right? Um, maybe that power is just something that could be summoned, but we don't know the system fully, but I imagine it's just kind of this whole like inverse of the Knights of Radiant and stuff like that. Like It's just the, the underside or the opposite of that. Um, and the same way that we know there were like not 10 or 9 Heralds, um, you know, one left behind, all that stuff. And weren't there like nine shadows coming out from our Odium's champion, uh, all that stuff? So it just seems like there's a whole flip side to everything that we know as good. Um, and so I don't know, maybe they have their, their little evil stormlight. So, yeah, I, I did notice that they're, they're clearly. Well, maybe not clearly. My assumption is that it, this simply means they're not in storm form. That was kind of how I took it. Was I? I'm expecting the red eyes to be a byproduct of storm form, and so I'm taking this as okay. These parchment are have not transformed into storm form. They've transformed into like work form or war form or something a little less ominous. But but maybe maybe not necessarily. Maybe these maybe they are in storm form. They're just not charged with whatever you know dark light it is that comes out of the the ever storm i jumping forward while we're talking about chapter 14 i uh trevor you mentioned the red lights which i've thought could potentially be the spren that we've seen come up a couple times 
the the storm spren or i don't know if we know exactly void spren i think sometimes we've we've theorized they could potentially be we've seen them in relation to the parshendi on the shattered planes or like sil keeps seeing them or something like that back then um, i'm wondering if those spren are just kind of like hanging out with the the parchment and the the Voidbringer versions so that's what these red lights are not the eyes um perhaps but then i also noticed in that chapter 14 there's another perhaps spren like character or being that appears that seems very odd Cal- kaladin gets caught eventually as he's spying on the the parchment but he's caught by this ribbon of yellow light is the way he describes it of you know something like alerts them to you know oh there he is he's right there and it's just described as a ribbon of yellow light which sounds very spren ish but also very new what what is that that's a great question um trevor what do you think what do you um why don't you tell us what that is? One of just... the uh, one of the parchment lost his scarf, and it has little Christmas lights on okay. it. So it's okay. a little, little yellow ribbon of light just flying past. Okay. It just flew off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, makes sense now. He is the wind, right? He so it flew towards him, of course. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. Okay, so it was a scarf spren. Scarf um, spren. Yeah. Scarf Obviously. spren and Christmas light spren. Okay. All of that to say, I think we've got some spren shenanigans going on. Potentially some red spren, some yellow spren. We've got some potentially new, definitely strange spren-ness going on. We can mention it briefly, although I don't want to spend too much time on this. But uh, poor Gavilar. Uh, I don't know if you guys feel sorry for him or if you guys think he's pathetic, because... There are people in the fandom that think both of like the. Do you mean Elokar? Yes, I do mean Elokar. I apologize. Mm. Where Elokar is trying his best, he really is, and he's just not succeeding anywhere. And he finally acknowledges this. It is kind of funny. <laughs> and surrenders his his regency of Urethiru to Dalinar, like officially, and so Dalinar is the king of Urethiru now. And gives his princedom to Adolin, although he hasn't really had that conversation with Adolin yet. Um, but not that that really matters because they're not in Alucar. So, uh, Dalinar is now the king of Urethiru and the Shattered Plains, and uh, Alucar is like answering to him while in Urethiru, whatever you guys is takeaways from this little scene here i i was just kind of stuck thinking can elokar do that like who 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 gives him the authority to grant the high kingship of urethiru over all the lands of the entire world to dalinar like it's a very strange promotion slash resignation slash I, I don't even know yeah it's kind of like the is that allowed you know like right. <laughs> question like can you do 
Is that allowed? Like, can you do that? Um, so I, I didn't know what to think about it, and Delinar is like, please don't do this. <laughs> uh, for a bit of it. Um, he's like, only I, if I have to. Um, I kind of breeze past actually... that. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you there, you Paul. But I I did actually kind of like this this direction that they're heading in because Dalinar and Elokar are clearly kind of at... Th there's some conflict going on there. D Dalinar knows what needs to be done, and he's just getting up and doing it. But he's clearly treading on Elokar in the process. The, I mean, Quite literally, it, when he knocks him well, well, Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I mean, Dalinar is out there, you know, negotiating with all the other nations of Roshar. It, that should be definitely Elokar doing yeah. that, as, not... as the leader of the Alethi, and he's like, "Come join us." Yeah, and Elokar is just sitting there, like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, it, exactly." And so I think this may actually be a good step in that it may clear up the the relationship there a little bit if we can kind of define. Elokar, this is your realm. This is what you're responsible for. Dalinar, you're you have different goals here. You're not so much focused anymore on Alethkar. You're focused on the the bigger picture of trying to bring together multiple nations. So that I think is is good. I I wonder how this is going to be received by all the other nations. You know, who died and made you king of of the entire world? You know, right. kind of is is essentially the response I'm expecting him to get when he says. I, Dalinar, High King of Urethiru, summon you to join me. Yeah, that's not going to go well. Right. I mean, people already think the Alethi are entitled to whatever they want, because back a generation ago, Gavilar took whatever he wanted. So now Dalinar's so, like, yeah, I'm in Urethiru. Come join my coalition and join my army, you know? Exactly. We want you to fight against the Voidbringers. Yes, you know? exactly. More motivational posters. Yeah. All right. Chapter 13 and chapter 15 together. Yes. <laughs> All right. So before we jump. No, actually, I'll save that for a second here. Shalon and Adolin. Are, are are still they're still going strong which we had a couple maybe hints of something happening between Shalon and Kaladin in in Words of Radiance and maybe that's still a happen but Shalon and Adolin are flirting back and forth there's multiple lines where uh, in this in this chapter where you're like eh I don't know <laughs> I don't want to uh, I don't know if this was your reaction, Paul, but it's like, I don't really want to read that, you know, like <laughs> don't moving on, you know, like Paul, what, what were your thoughts in chapter 13, chapter 15? So it's definitely not as bad as Dalinar and Navani for whatever reason. But, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But yes, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of whatever. I honestly didn't mind it that much. Um, I will say in chapter 15, I had a lot of complaints, which we'll get to in a little bit. But as far as like the whole love triangle, I think it is at least a little interesting because it is a kind of a triangle. Kaladin is kind of on the outskirt of it. It's just kind of hinted at randomly. Um, whereas Adolin and Shalon are like betrothed, kind of. Um, they're like engaged, 
or however it fully works there. Um, so it's a bit different, but there's there's kind of that hint there of like, ooh, you know. Um, so it makes it at least a little interesting, but yeah, I don't care about that stuff. It reminded me a lot about you, I think it wasn't this past episode, but the episode before, you were talking about like how weird it is about safe hands. Oh, yeah. And that was really like showcased here, that she was like, oh my gosh, like... She put like four layers over her safe hand, um, in kind of a panic because she was like had nothing on her safe hand whenever Adolin like arrived and stuff, and it, it was kind of funny. Um, but as far as all the the mushy stuff goes, I was just glad we had pattern there to to make sure there's no mating. Elliot, I. I'm curious if you were uh, picked up on this, but what's uh, what's Pattern's first thought when uh, he hears the word inappropriate? Inappropriate? Uh, you mean like dividing by zero? Dividing by zero. Yeah, yeah. I love stuff that you should line. Never That's ever sweet. consider doing. Yeah, I'll stop from that, and then I you, I just imagine him like you know he retreats to his little bowl or whatever he's doing, and then for the next like twenty minutes is just thinking like what could they possibly be doing like what. What could it be? I I just don't get. Oh, wait, no mating. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I love that. Patterns are little. Uh, what's that? Have you guys seen Soul, the new Pixar movie? Mm-hmm. What's the What's the dude's name that's keeping track of all the souls passing through, and he's just like the numbers guy. And, Terry. Yes, Terry, thank you. And yeah. uh I just imagine Pattern being like that where he's just kind of in the shadows, like doing all his like number things. And it's like yeah. what would be the most inappropriate thing ever? Oh, dividing by zero, obviously. Yeah, like, m- missing a count, missing yeah. one of the counts, you know. I almost thought of it as like if you had like someone who is just from a much older generation or something that like is trying to figure out what kids nowadays do. Right. And just kind of would go through a list and be like, I bet this is what these kids are, are talking about. Or like, I don't know if you see those, the jokes with like parents who, who use abbreviations wrong, like LOL and stuff like that. Like <laughs> that's kind of what I was getting here. That that same energy, just like pattern is no clue what's going on, but he's trying. Um, so very sweet of him. I but. I'm still sticking to my. I think I may have broken this out like very shortly after we first met Pattern, but I I still think he's the Olaf of this story. He he's <laughs> the the goofy snowman who's completely out of his element, and he he's the 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 Olaf to Shalon's Elsa, I suppose. True. Sure he's like yeah like he's a snowman who's like i can't wait for summer and like right. days at the beach you know <laughs> just yep it's nothing like goofy i think special yeah. kid isn't that what we uh called him at, at one point yes. oh bizarre kiddo bizarre, bizarre yeah. kiddo there you go yeah yeah all right shalon veil brightness radiant so Shalon is painted like Adolin gets all excited like yo we should practice with our shard blades you've got a shard blade that's like what I'm all about so I'm gonna teach you how to use shard blade whether you like it or not so I brought them with me even though I before I even asked I'm gonna go get those shard blade guards I'll be right back 
and Shalon is like freaking out. Like I, I hate summoning my my blade. I only do it to summon or to work the oath gates. I'm not going to use this at all. And she kind of composes herself and paints brightness radiant onto herself. What are you, we we've seen this a little bit with Vale, but what were your guys's emotions i suppose i always say thoughts so i'm gonna try to something something else of of shallan versus veil versus brightness radiant i would like to know elliot's thoughts first because i have a lot to say and i don't want to influence anything uh i could definitely share some of what i was thinking or, or feeling during this this section i was i was first off i think impressed with Shalon and that this is a I think a fairly clever tactic of compartmentalization she she can't handle wielding that blade because of the memories that are attached to it so she she compartmentalizes by saying okay I'm going to be a different person a person who doesn't have to deal with that and that that is a ineffective way for her to deal with with that barrier that challenge but then on the flip side, I'm I'm very disappointed in Shalon in that we're, we're back to the whole, that is a terrible way of coping with that. The whole, I'm just going to pretend this didn't happen and hide behind this this persona of another person. And while I, I, Shalon has been through some terrible stuff and I, I totally, you know, don't want to, you know, put myself in that position and say that I, I wouldn't do the exact same thing, but she's, she's kind of avoiding her problems and I don't think it's going to end well. See, there, there is one thing that I have to say. Um, and that it's, I didn't think of it that much in the context of her struggling to use her shard blade. Um, that does add some extra context and make it a little more justifiable, but my big, like, audacity audacity statement at the beginning was, I think this was horrible, and I think it may be, it's easily my least favorite thing in Oathbringer, maybe the series thus far. Like, I wow. think it was really bad. The, the series thus far is, is a bold statement, so maybe not that far, but I Even think this was... Even worse than Shallan being the villain of the Wave Kings? definitely like so that that that's kind of a, a joke just like w what's actually happening in the story you know like jokes aside like what's actually what's what's actually happening in the story like i i've definitely had a couple like random thoughts i don't remember exactly what it was that made me think that but basically just like i think this is bad like i honestly was cringing like re like reading this i thought it was really i didn't like it at all um i think my biggest thing was just can i clarify something do you do you not yes. like this like in writing or for like uh, for shalon as a character do you not like is this is this poor writing or like or is this i think it's more of for shalon as a character okay um but a little bit of poor writing like I, I I think poor writing just because I didn't like it. Okay. I, I did I straight up did not like this part. Um and so that's why I think that, but as far as whether it was an effective tool, like writing tool, it it is. So 
that's fair. I have to kind of separate those two. Um, but the reason I don't like it is, so, you know, Shalon does struggle with this wanting to be perceived and, and like, presenting herself in a, a strong fashion, right? She always talks about Yasna. Yasna's kind of her depiction of her goals, like, what she wants to be and stuff like that. Um, but just reading, like, she portrays herself as brightness radiant and, like, fully instantly goes into this character and talks to Adolin through Brightness Radiant and, like, just talks really weird and stuff. And it was just very uncomfortable, and I thought it was really annoying, like, just being honest. I didn't like it at all. Like, I understand the concern, but I feel like it was so extreme that I just, I didn't like it. I thought it was really cringy to read, honestly. Um... So yeah, I I I feel like I have very strong thoughts about it, and maybe it's a little mean, but like the whole brightness radiant thing that she did, I thought it was really, I, I didn't like it at all. It's straight up, it's my least favorite chapter so far of this book, easily. Like, I just did not. I, I thought it was just really poor. I didn't like brightness radiant at all, and I thought it was, like, just reading. I don't remember specific quotes of the dialogue, but just like, she calls him Bright Lord Colin. And mm-hmm. yeah, she, there's a there's a couple other stuff. phrases of like just know. all that stuff. And she, she, she just like refers to Shalon like another person. Yes, she's like exactly. oh yeah, Shalon exactly. used to draw that. I was like, wait, who's exactly. talking here? Like, like I was thinking about that. Like, because Adolin was there talking to Shalon, then he leaves for a second and comes back and is now talking to Brightness Radiant, who's talking about Shalon and all this stuff and like. In a realistic sense, this is a book, right? But in a realistic sense, it's like, if I'm Adolin, like, and this happens to me, I'm like, okay, like, sorry, I don't I don't know that we're going to get married anymore. <laughs> like, this is a little concerning, <laughs> right? Um, and like, I don't know, it was just very weird, and I didn't like it. I thought it was really, like, all the stuff was just very weird, and I don't think it was even a great way to show her concern of being, like, kind of separating herself from Shalon, who struggles with these things. Um, I do get that concern, but I, I didn't like the way it was. I thought it was really... I, I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse at this point, but I, I thought it was, like, a poor way to represent that. I, I think it was just so over the top. Like, it was way too far to try and get a point across. That It was kind of ridiculous. W- would you have felt better, Paul, if perhaps like the lines that she was audibly speaking were instead like thoughts in her head of like Shalon and this character of brightness radiant, like the two of them talking as opposed to like actually brightness radiant talking to Adolin. Would that have been a better way to portray it perhaps for you? I I think definitely. So I think it was the fact that she was like made herself into brightness radiant. It was talking to Adolin. I would have even given it that if Adolin came and initially, like, right out of the gate, she was Brightness Radiant. Um, I do understand this was because of the Shardblade situation, where I don't actually... I didn't actually remember that on my own. I, I kind of just remembered that from... or realized that from what you were saying, Elliot. Um, I would have even been fine if it was just she was trying to compose herself in a different manner or appear different to people or as more confident... I would totally get that, but it was, even if you took that away and it was just the speech, I think the speech and the way she, like, was talking to Adolin was what really 
frustrated me and, and like what really um like bothered me and I thought was kind of bad. Um so I th- I think that was my biggest thing. So there are lots of things that would change that and it wouldn't be so bad, but <laughs> like listening to it, I was honestly like I thought it was kind of painful. Like it was it it was interesting to to listen to and stuff and just kind of awkward. So I do have something to say but I can't say it. <laughs> I'm going to I will go out on a limb that may help you Trevor and I don't I don't know if it will. But so if you remember back to the way of kings where there's a Shalon chapter I didn't like and I deemed it quote unnecessary. unnecessary. I don't I don't know if this is maybe a similar thing where this will come into a bigger effect later on that we'll get to look back on and be like, "Oh my goodness." It was great we had this chapter before. And I'm hoping for something like that. But this chapter on its own and seeing Brightness Radiant um, as Shalon has crafted her, I think is really, like, I just don't like it. And I think it was very rough. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this for now, that you are absolutely not alone in that there are a decent amount of people that do not like this as a as a character point for for shallan but i can't see anymore and we will come back to this i promise but i i we can't we can't talk i can't talk about it anymore that's um, cool than that i'm glad to know at least i'm not alone in that in that standpoint i didn't i didn't think i would be i i I thought honestly that y'all may have stronger feelings about it too which is fine if you don't Um, like i do understand that like kind of where the point comes from. Uh, but I think it was, yeah, I, I just did not like it. So <laughs> I, I'm extra curious now where, where this might be going. If, if Trevor can't even talk us through this, this one scene. So I'm, I'm intrigued now. <laughs> yeah. It definitely seemed like a not super important scene, like kind of like just like the funny little side piece, I guess I, I didn't pick up anything super major from it at least. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll see where that goes. Anyways, with that, I lay I lay my point to rest <laughs> and move on. So, yeah. chapter sixteen. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of. We've got more down our self dialogue. Basically, he has Seth's old Windrunner blade, and he's hiding it. And he's he's referenced the fact that he could he could use it as like a tool to give somebody windrunner powers. So and like maybe scout form or something if Kaladin's not around. So he's to, he's toying with that idea. And now that Gavilar Why do I keep saying that? Now that Elokar wants to go to Alethkar Man. To to <laughs> <There are a>, go <laughs> Uh, to take back his take back his homeland with with Kaladin. If if he does that when Kaladin gets back, he's gonna need like it, depending on how long that takes, he's gonna need a Windrunner because you know your theory is out in the middle of the the sky basically. So he he could really use a Windrunner around here. So any any thoughts on where this blade is gonna go to? I think that Dalinar is really wise to be cautious here 
it, it would be super convenient for him to pick heck Adolin. Adolin, Adolin yeah. has Adolin's the Adolin's you know, the obvious choice, right? Like Yeah. Sure. Or or even yeah, just like temporarily give it to one of his, you know, generals he trusts or something like to to get those Windrunner powers, which would be very useful right now. But I think he's very smart, perhaps at the advice of the Stormfather, to realize this is really dangerous actually, because it is one, a ton of power, but two, as we've seen with Zeth, it's kind of power without a check and balance to it. Without the knights right exactly the knight radiant knights radiant have their spren which kind of help to guide them and lead them and and prod them towards their purpose and what they're supposed to be doing the person who wields this honor blade doesn't have that they're on their own and so you better really trust that person to know what they're supposed to be doing before they do that so i think this is really smart on dalinar's part to not quickly hand this off to you know, someone just for the sake of convenience. And we've talked about it in last episode and this episode that the amount of weight that Adolin's feeling at the moment, that that hasn't been on the back burner in these last couple chapters. We've been seeing a lot of what Adolin's been going through on, on multiple different fields with Shalon and with his his brother Renarin and with Sadius, what he, like, Adolin's got a lot on his mind, and if he were to be given this honor blade, like, you know, it may not be the right timing for that, so. But before we talk about more of the politics, did, did you have more on that honor blade, Trevor, that we needed to talk about? Nope. Before we move on to maybe back to some of the, the politics or Dalinar's past, although this is tied to Dalinar's path. In this chapter, Dalinar has a, a short moment where he's talking or, or thinking to himself more about the thrill, and he drops a line that caught me off guard. He seems to imply that the thrill is uniquely Alethi. Did I catch that right, Trevor? Yeah, and this is not actually the first time you've heard this. And that, that doesn't surprise me. With, with all this <laughs> stuff going on, it doesn't surprise me that I'd missed this before. And maybe it was even in my notes, and we've had so much stuff that I that I've forgotten about it. But but this actually is making me rethink a little bit about the thrill. Why is the thrill unique to people from Alethkar? That that seems really strange. Even kind of given some of the previous implications that perhaps the thrill is tied to Spren, we had some hints in from Teravangian that he's like hunting the the thrill spren perhaps or hunting the the death rattle spren again it's all very vague wording we don't really know exactly what but if if the source of the thrill is some sort of mystical being why only alethi that's strange but he also talks about and thinks about how he comes to the conclusion now, as opposed to like previous Dalinar, that he realizes now that there's something, something wrong about the thrill, that there's perhaps a bit of a not so good force behind it, perhaps. Yeah, that's something that I didn't actually catch on to 
that the thrill is strictly a lethe. I did not catch on to that. And that's really interesting. And this may not be the case, but what I feel would explain this well is seeing if other nations or groups have a thing of their own. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how that would really tie into things. Um, but I am a little confused. My thought was maybe it has something to do with like being around these oath gates or something like that. I'm just trying to think of like, I don't know. I feel like it had to be something geographical. I, I really don't know. I, I'm kind of, it's just all speculation right now. Well, um, and it's hard to say, but you're, you're, you're sparking some ideas in my brain here, Paul. I had not thought about this until you just said that. Didn't we at, at one point, weren't we exploring some version of the map that had like 10 kingdoms on it? And we, we theorized that this was perhaps tied to like the 10 heralds or, you know, 10 is a unique number. Um, but, but perhaps like the number of regions of Roshar seem to have some significance. Do, do you guys remember that perhaps? Yep. Yes. Yeah. I think Maybe. it was that there's like the old map that has like the old names. Yeah. It's the in the, it's in yeah. the hardback way of King's copy and it mm-hmm. calls Alethkar Alethala and yeah. Babatharnam is another name. I don't remember, but yeah, there's still all the old names on it. What if mm-hmm. that is somehow tied to, to this and, and, where you're kind of going with this, Paul, of each of those different regions has like a sponsoring spread power thing. And whatever the source of the thrill is, is the one that's tied to Alethala or or Alethkar Mm -hmm. region, maybe. Yeah, more of that geographical element of that. That's, I like that thought train. It definitely could be. It's just kind of a... We can kind of be on the lookout because if there's something like that for other groups, then I feel like we can really entertain that. Yeah, that idea. Um, until totally. then, I feel like it's kind of just a a forethought. I don't know. It's it's like not as solidified, but we could see. I don't know. Maybe Mister Reread Value here, Trevor. Um, I don't know if maybe there's stuff we've missed and he's he probably can't share that. But if there's like stuff we've missed or we've seen other groups, like whenever we're in Chenovar, um, or places like that, um, where they have I don't know, a passive ability or like this this kind of innate trait. We we have seen one person who perhaps has a regionally bound superpower if you will and i'm thinking of axes his like special powers and abilities of like the the tattoo notes he takes on his own skin and the way he can just like control the anatomy of his body at will is implied that that's perhaps an an amian ability it's an ability tied to like where he's from so is is the thrill the alethi version of yeah they're racial power that they get i hmm, now now i'm even more intrigued i had not thought of that all i'll say is i'm really glad you're thinking along the lines that you are it's it's like keep keep going with it because geographical i was going to bring up the word geographical if you didn't paul because they teravangian 
is hunting for spren at a specific location and what's our amian friend who's hunting spren axes axes he's mm-hmm. in the reshi isles hunting spren in a specific location like there there is and uh shalon in the other chapter we just read she got shame spren for the second time in a week in your theory and hadn't like hadn't ever had shame spren from where she's from so there is something geographical happening with with certain spread in certain places so interesting stuff anyway now that was all i had on thrill we can go on and wrap up with some of the political final things if we haven't touched on those and then the the revelation we get at the very end Dalinar's having a spar with Kadash, or it ends up not well. It's with a, another guy, right? And Kadash is there, or does it end up sparring with Kadash? I don't remember. Well, he he has a wrestling match with some random guy, and then he does have a sparring match with uh, with Kadash while he's negotiating with the the, the Iriali Queen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And. Navani's there all upset because Delinar's fencing and talking to a queen at the same time. So Kadash is here confronting him about his religion and claiming that the the honor is dead or the Almighty as he as he calls him. So and Dalinar is just trying to blow off some steam, right? Like he's he's getting really frustrated with all these politics that's happening, and he's just he just wants to you know wrestle somebody and like like the good old days. And Kadash is here rubbing him all all the wrong way and telling him like, hey, you need to like I, I'm an ardent, but I'm also one of your your generals, so I feel like I need to confront you about this path that you're going down because you know i'm an honorable like shout out to kadash who's has the courage to speak up about what he thinks that dalinar should be doing because nobody else is really willing to tell him these things that they're all just talking about how he's a heretic behind his back but kadash he's like i've known you for so long why are you doing this why are you talking about the almighty being dead that type and stuff like that and Kadash is speaking his mind on who Dalinar is, who he, who he thinks he could be, that type of thing. So, I really like Kadash. Just throwing that out there. I, I, I like the... I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. I, I, like, I like the conversation that Dalinar and Kadash have here about faith, essentially. Uh, Dalinar is questioning the Voran faith of basically saying, hey man, I've got some new evidence here. Like, Tell me why I need to believe in your religion when I have reason to believe otherwise. And, and Kadash is just kind of chiding him for, you know, he, I'm putting words in his mouth, but he basically kind of says that the purpose that 
the the whole part the whole reason it's called faith is because you have to have faith you 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 believe in the god because that's what you're supposed to do and Donald doesn't like that answer he he says you know come back when you can show me evidence show me a reason why i need to believe it and that's the difference between dalinar and the voran church at this point is much like yasna and i think they even reference yasna in this scene dalinar's questioning and the ardens don't like that while he's having this conversation he's also talking with uh the Iriali queen via Navani and a span read off to the side. And she kind of just drops an offhand comment of, yeah, we're going to, we're going to sign a treaty with, with the void bringers. And Dalinar is like, you're going to, you're going to side with the enemy. What, what do you, what do you mean? Like, how is that even an option that we're, we're talking about void bringers, you know, Knights radiant. Everybody has heard, children's stories of the void bringers and you're going to sign a treaty with them like he's so frustrated at this point with people and, and i mentioned this earlier i can't decide how i think about this because i don't know what the void bringers terms are if if they truly are coming to the iriali people and saying hey let's work together I'm all for partnering with them. Like that sounds like a great idea. Let's have peace and not war. That sounds fantastic. But if they're asking for like, oh, and you're gonna pay us, you know, like human sacrifices and you know all this other stuff, then then yeah, absolutely. Why are we partnering with with evil in in doing this? So but we need more info here. We need more more info. And I'm hoping that Kaladin is actually gonna be our source of that. He's he's behind enemy lines, if you will at this point. So I'm hoping Kaladin will get us a few pieces to fill in our puzzle. We kind of skipped over that, but yeah, Kaladin's captured or gave himself up willingly. He could have flown off at any point, but he's like, no, I'm going to surrender and see what's happening here. That was at the very end of 14, wasn't it? Yeah. His little glimpse his, with the yellow scarf spread. Yeah. Yes. Actually, on that really quick, I thought that was actually really intelligent of Kaladin. K Kaladin can sometimes be a act first, think later kind of person. Yeah. And that was actually really smart when he realized, hang on a second, this is not what I thought it was. L let me take this slowly and I'll, I'll surrender, realizing that he can probably escape whenever he wants. But, you know, let me collect some more info here. Let me figure out, like, kudos to Kaladin. That was a think first instead of the, you know, punch everybody and then realize it was a bad idea. Yeah. All right. We had a, we had a name drop quite literally at the end of this, at the end of this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> and Dalinar does the biggest double take in the world. Uh, is it Navani who says his wife's name? And she's like, yeah, but like back when Evie was alive, and he's like, "What did you just say?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I forget. You can't hear her name." He's like, "No, I can hear her name." <laughs> like, hold on. So, what I I envisioned this as the classic movie scene where like. 
Dalinar's eyes get wide and the camera like zooms into his eyes. And then you see this like super fast flash of like all his memories of her, like all playing all at yeah. once. And then like it zooms back out and Dalinar's like, oh, I know. Like yeah. that, I, I saw all of that in my head. Like as I read this section, it was, it was big, big moment. Definitely. I saw, I, I, I definitely got the similar depiction there, Elliot. I, uh, I was a little confused because I don't know what's changed that he's like can hear. Yeah, I, mean, I guess exactly. we'll just have to read and find out. Um, but I feel like we haven't had anything. I think it would be a very like this would be a monumental thing that either changed or I don't know. Maybe it's with his relationship with the Stormfather somehow because I feel like that's gone pretty well. Like they're kind of friends now. I think um, as good of friends as you can be with them, you know. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so so I don't know, but I, I'm that's that's my biggest thing right now is I I want to find out what what happened there, what's going on there. Yeah, I totally agree, Paul. There we've had a few momentous things that have happened in Dalinar's life recently, but none of them seem to have like immediately triggered this, and so it's hard to tell what it is. Is it Kim marrying Navani? Is it him bonding with the Stormfather? Is it the like? The presence of the Everstorm is like weakening the magic that's got a hold on him. Like, there's a lot of different reasons this could be, and there doesn't seem to be any obvious. This happened. Now he can remember his wife. Got it. You know, it's yeah. Where did this come from? Would you guys like to read and find out? Yes, please. No, no we're done here. All right. I think this is where I'm calling it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I actually cannot wait. So honestly, my favorite part about recording is afterwards. I know I get to read more. True. Any any closing thoughts on episode fifty nine? We we've got some head scratchers. There there's some stuff going on that's that's making us making us think in in this one less much less action and much more i don't know if i want to say intrigue because when i say intrigue i think of like warbreaker and like the whole like political intrigue murder mystery but but this is more of like murder mystery i don't know very (laughs) yeah yeah it's very like heady strategical what's going on what do we need to do next who's doing this and why where are the armies at i who done it yeah 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 definitely i think there is one just like really big takeaway and you know it's just the whole no mating no no mating mating. it was a great summary for our our episode here so that's mating (laughs) exactly that's that's my big takeaway um from these chapters so all right well we can reconvene next week after we read some more thanks for joining me elliot and paul until next time